0: Welcome to the third episode of Making a Racket. I am Nathan Lee, here with Sean Doherty. Later on this episode, we'll preview the 2021 Miami Open. But first, let me introduce our guests, Shaquila and Shannon. Shaquila, how are you doing today?
1: I'm pretty. I'm doing well. How, how are you?
0: I mean, I'm doing all right. I haven't done anything useful today. And hopefully I actually do something useful tomorrow. I have I have a short answer assignment to do for Texas government and then I have something else to do that's important and I just don't care. Shannon, how are you doing?
2: Um no, just sat back after a fun weekend, but um I have two tests this week. So um a little stressful. But I'm gonna get through it and we'll see how many breakdowns I have within the next two weeks.
3: How come I didn't get asked how my day was?
0: Yeah, well, Sean, no you're one a host. Cares about you don't you. get to you. you, you no, nobody cares how your day went. <laughs> <laughs> on this episode, we'll talk about the Atlanta shooting on March 16th, an anti-Asian American and Pacific Islander discrimination in the United States. Uh, Shaquille, you are of Filipino descent. Uh, Shannon of Chinese descent. On March 16th in Atlanta, a man shot eight women in three different Atlanta spas. Six of the victims were Asian. On Wednesday the 17th, he was charged with eight counts of murder in connection with the attacks. The suspect told the police that he had a, quote, sexual addiction, and he carried out the shootings at the massage parlors to eliminate his temptation. So the motives are somewhat unclear, but also clear. Um, Why did he target massage, massage parlors with Asian women? And this uh, shined a spotlight on Asian hate crimes and how they have gone up, especially since COVID. In the United States, Asian hate crimes have gone up 150 percent. In 2020, a study by the advocacy group Stop AAPI Hate released Tuesday recorded 3,795 reports of hate incidents against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders between March 19th, 2020 and February 28th, 2021. Most of these were... Verbal slurs, physical attacks, workplace discrimination, online harassment. But it probably is also a fraction of what actually happened. And of course, that did include, though, physical assaults like the one we saw in April where um, people of Myanmar origin were actually stabbed in Midland, Texas. Because the Midland man thought that they were Chinese and spraying the coronavirus. So that is... It should be chilling, and if it's not, there's something wrong. What, what I really what I brought Shaquille and Shannon on to talk about is talk about general Asian discrimination and how it has affected their lives and how they feel about what is happening in this country.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of going off the statistics, I um, know you said earlier how hate crimes have gone up since COVID yeah I mean I definitely don't doubt that it.'s been um you've been hearing um like a lot more news stories about Asian hate crimes and racism against Asians, but on the flip side of that, I'd also like to say that you know I think it's coming to you know the spotlight with covid and since they're becoming much more like relevant, I guess, but I think it's also like I think Asian hate crimes and racism have, against the Asian community have been grossly underplayed in the United States, you know, and especially with other large uh, minority movements like the Black Lives Matter movement. And then, you know, when Trump was building a wall, you know, there was a big um, lots of hate against um, Hispanic, Mexican immigrants. So, you know, all these problems bring, you know, to the forefront of it. But, you know, hate against Asian Americans have been, it's been going on for a while, but I feel like, you know, the Asian community's problems has been grossly underplayed in the media, you know, a lot, especially compared to say like other minorities. And um I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, like it's not as bad as other minorities, so it's therefore less important. And I feel like that's what happened a lot. But I mean going back into like how racism has affected my life, um, background, um I'm adopted from China and I've been raised by a fully white family. And um, I, you know, to say, I think they have done, like, an amazing job raising me. They bought books from China, you know, to teach me about, like, the Chinese culture. You know, we always, there was a pretty large um, community of, like, girls who were also adopted from China and Midlands. We'd always meet up with them and talk to them. But, you know, I think my family um, has been really good at, you know, keeping me connected with um, Chinese culture. Obviously, as I've gotten older, it's been, like, harder and i think it's harder because the fact of there being an asian community has kind of led to like my disinterest in it and so it feels like i've just been like oh like there's no one who i can like share this culture with like what's the point you know it just almost felt like irrelevant in my life growing up i thought a lot of stuff that you know happened was normal and all this stuff but looking back i'm like man like that really messed me up you know me You know media's view of Asians and how I viewed myself, um you know, and I guess kind of gloss over that you know when you're younger, you don't realize what's affecting you and what's not until you're older, and you're like, crap, you know, like um, I did not face too much racism um, I grew up at like a private school where I grew up with everyone, so everyone knew me, everyone knew my family, everyone was like used to me, so like me being Asian. Wasn't that big of a deal, like at all. I think I can't. I don't want to say this in case I forgot anyone, but I think I was like by the time we graduated, I was like the only Asian person like in my graduating class in middle school. Um, you know, and then it wasn't until you know I faced some racism. Um, you know, growing up in elementary, but it was just this one instance of a kid, you know, like pulling on his eyes. Um, it wasn't until high school where I faced um like I faced racism and I think that was really hard to deal with you know I didn't have to I didn't know how to navigate that and then I told my parents about it you know and talked to them about it you know they have no idea how to handle racism you know it's like how do you navigate a problem that you have never faced yourself you know so I think that was really difficult in that time like not having someone to relate to and then high school There were, I do not know that many Asians who went to our high school. Obviously, you know, me and Shaquille were on the tennis team. But I mean, otherwise, I like the Asian, I mean, the Asian community at, you know, MHS was almost non-existent. So that was, um, you know, kind of difficult and weird. And, you know, I just remember all these, like, comments that I got in high school that I never got elsewhere. You know, I was called Ling Ling for the longest time on the tennis team and uh, you know, it sucked. Like, you know, I know it was like a joke and everyone was like, ha, ha, ha. Like, you know, it's like, just, you know, just, it's a joke, like laugh at it yourself. Like, don't take it so seriously. And I'm like, why should I have to put up with that? So that was my issue with the tennis team. Like freshman year was like a lot of, you know, you know, you know, you guys know who started that and who said that. So, you know, a lot of people call me Ling Ling. And a lot of people were like, oh, ha, 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 like, it's funny take a joke. But it, but at the same time, like, like I said, racism against Asians is so underplayed. Like, if you were to hear someone calling, like, the N-word to a Black person, like, they would be in huge trouble. Or like, someone calling you Ling Ling or, like, Chink. It was just so, like, it was, like, get over it. And then I had some people in my R class calling me Ling Ling as well. And then they were like, oh, do your parents work at the donut shop? Do they work at, you know, TNT Donuts? Because they were owned, you know, by the Asians by an asian family you know at our local donut shop and then um you know i remember one girl she was like oh like you're pretty for being asian someone told me that i remember someone distinctly told me that like freshman year and i i called her out and i don't think it was like obviously Vietnam, and, like in, a malicious racist that. way you know i i think she just generally was still like Everyone was just so used to that. And so I, I called her out on it. I remember I was like, you know, that's a really backhanded compliment. She was like, how is that a backhanded compliment? Like she genuinely like did not understand how that was taken in a bad way whatsoever. And I remember just being like, like, wow, like that sucks, <laughs> you know, but I think it also says a lot about like how little, you know, I think media, um, Asian representation media had like a huge part on that. You know, you'd see girls on magazines and people in movies and tv shows and there were no Asians you know I think representation's gotten better but I think even nowadays with like tv shows it's like oh you throw in like a black person and a gay person in the tv or movie or episode and it's diverse you know I think I'm sorry but like you know Marvel movies have kind of stepped up their game since but you figure you look at Iron Man oh they threw in um Black War Machine, oh, Captain America, they have. They threw in Falcon. It wasn't until um, Black Panther that was, you know, a huge thing for a minority um, main character. I even think of, you know, some of the more diverse TV shows now, you know, Sex Education on Netflix, they have a very diverse cast. However, at the end of the day, the two main characters are white. You know, I think about that, even like the most diverse TV shows, the main characters are still white. You know, it wasn't until Crazy Rich Asians, where it was the predominantly, like, all-Asian cast, you figure that came out very recently. And I think it is insane how it has taken up so long for an Asian lead. I, that just affects, you know, everyone's viewpoint on Asians, even if it's just super subconscious.
0: One thing I, I noticed was um, earlier she had said, I'm supposed to deal with it i'm supposed to deal with feeling this way and and you kind of said that to me earlier Shaq. that the uh racist insults or or just racism in general you feel like you had to deal with that and you said that same thing to me so i want you to uh i want you to take it away
1: yeah so shannon did touch about um about just taking in the insults and all that. And I was talking to Nathan about it earlier about how I feel like, and I'm sure many others in the Asian community feel the same way about how there's this double standard with Asians of how we're just supposed to stay silent and just turn the other cheek. And in my family household, um, that's what I was taught to do, just to not let it bother me to just. Just disregarded, have thick skin, my mom would say. And I was like, okay, fine. And so doing this podcast <laughs> is a little nervous wracking because I've never been so vocal about the Asian hate crimes and discrimination going on, but I've always been aware of it. Um, well, yeah, going back to that double standard, it's um, about Asians being silent. It's, I'm glad that it's not becoming much of that stereotype anymore because of all the protests going on and the awareness that's being brought out. And so I'm really glad about that happening. Well, not the things that are happening, but the fact that the Asian community is finally saying something.
2: Yeah, it's unfortunate that a shooting is have to happen for people to finally take this seriously.
1: Well, not even then. Like it started with COVID, with all the with all the racist remarks about China and then suddenly um when it stemmed from China, everyone all Asian ethnic groups were grouped in with another group and we were just a target of hate crimes.
2: Yeah, cuz no one knows the difference, but it shouldn't matter.
1: Exactly. And it was just, honestly, I follow this um, account on Instagram when I had Instagram and it's called Next Shark and I followed it because it was like a Asian headliner kind of thing where it just spreads news about stuff and events. And all throughout COVID, I would just, my feed would be filled with all these Asian hate crimes and, oh, this elderly Asian man was mugged and beaten. And then there was another that was uh, videos about racist remarks from um, white Americans saying, get out of this country and all that, you don't belong here. And it was just really sad to hear and to see all that and see how much of racism there still is here now that we've become more uh, modernized.
2: Mm-hmm and getting back to just general racism, you know, in America, I think it's hard to, it's hard to imagine yourself in someone else's shoes. Like, obviously, you know, Sean and Bowles, you guys can be like, see all this stuff going on and be like, wow, like, this is horrible. But to like, actually live, you know, actually, you know, go through it is a totally different thing. That thing said, I think going into COVID, I was kind of ignorant about like, racism. Like, obviously, like, I've experienced racism, but just, violent racism you know um and I remember I was I was just kind of like oh like I'm gonna go about my day you know I guess I kind of forget about it I mean you know that being said like I'm Chinese American but I my whole identity is not you know in my race I don't think about my race like too often but I remember at the beginning of COVID Shaquille was like hey like you know Shannon like be careful because some of the stuff that's going on is scary and I was just like oh yeah like I'm fine like I just kind of brush it off and stuff like that. And then I think later that week, that was when the stabbing at Sam's happened. And, you know, that was a scary wake up call for me. I remember even at the beginning of COVID, you know, when masks um, weren't mandatory yet, you know, I, I would go in to a store and I'd be like, should I or should I not wear a mask? I'm like, if I'm not wearing a mask, will other people see me and be like, oh, she's Asian, she should be wearing a mask. Or, you know, I'm like, if I cough, will people think I am, like automatically have a virus because I'm, you know, Chinese, you know, and it was just all the stuff that's going through my head. I'm like, what if like people perceive me differently with this virus going around because I'm Asian. And then I remember I saw a TikTok post of like this, um this African American kid on TikTok and he was being like, you know, as a black kid, he's like, you know, you can't wear hoodies in stores you can't bring a backpack in a store because you're black and people you know will assume the worst and I just remember being like wow like I understand like it was just like a huge moment of clarity of being like how people will view just the same things like differently amongst just like how you look like I said I think it's unfortunate like that COVID kind of brought out the worst and like was the thing that pushed me to this realization but you know it's good I feel like You know, it has been weird, you know, and even with after the shootings, you know, my mom is like, you know, be careful. She's like, I know you feel super safe where you're at, but she's like, but you know, this stuff does happen, you know, and she's like, I just want you to be careful and I want you to be aware of it.
1: That brings me to another story, uh, whenever Shannon brought that up. Uh, So whenever it was like a couple months into COVID and all these hate crimes were happening, uh, my mom, of course, she's a Filipino and all Filipinos use Facebook. She would see all the Asian discrimination on there too. And then whenever that incident at the Sam's Club in Midland, Texas happened, my mom was kind of worried about my brother cuz my brother, my older brother, he has thinner eyes than me than all of us. And so he looked he looked a lot more um Japanese, I think. Yeah, I'd say Japanese. And so she was worried that he was gonna be a target as well while wearing a mask and people looking at him and saying, Oh, it's an Asian Or like, yeah, just being a target of a hate crime. And I remember that happening during quarantine.
0: Well, for sure. And um I and and you're right, I can't imagine that. When I heard about the the stabbing, mean, I did immediately think of y'all, but And I thought, wow, that's what if it was Shannon or Shakila? Even I mean, I I did think about that, but at the same time, wasn't the same as what y'all felt.
1: Um, that reminds me, my my professor—I don't know if I should say her name—but my anatomy and physiology professor, she sent me a note, um, or she emailed me about how she's um, thinking of my family during. Uh, during these times, because that was after the shooting in Georgia, and I thought it was the sweetest thing. She's so sweet. I love her. I just want to say that. Shout out to Amelia Bellazaire. Love you. <laughs>
2: but talking about, I guess, like racism, you know, just Asian uh, racism, I think I've seen some things where. Some people like do not consider Asian um, people of color. And really? it's almost like, oh, you guys aren't like actually people of color. Like the true like minorities are like, we are black and, you know, Mexicans here in America. And those are the people who face the hate. I have seen it and it's quite, um, it makes me quite uncomfortable, to be honest. Thankfully, I think, you know, it's getting better, but I have seen things like that.
0: Do you think Asians get pushed to the back burner because of model minority stereotypes? The, the stereotypes, I think, that Asians and other minorities face are actually different. It's, I mean, with Asians, it's they're smart at math, they're great at school, they, they're successful. Do you think those stereotypes contribute to that?
2: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, I think those are kind of harmful stereotypes. But, you know, I think it's also, like, a cultural thing. Like, okay, like, people say Asians are smart. I think that's, you know, something important. We always say, like, I am, like, obviously against stereotypes. And obviously, like, stereotypes exist for everyone, every sort of group that's out there. However, you know, at the same time, there are some, like, there's a truth, there's a truth that there's, some truth behind every stereotype. Like, like a stereotype has to stem from somewhere, right? Obviously, they're not true, and they tend to be o- overplayed. They're not, you know, they're very overgeneralizing. But there is some truth that in which a stereotype stems from, you know. And I think, you know, I think of you know Asian cultures, like especially Korea. I follow. Um, there's insane videos out there on YouTube of people taking, basically the Korean equivalent of what would be the SAT here in the United States, or it's like the college entrance exam for Koreans. And it is insane. You know, you have native English speakers who are taking the English part of the exam, which is their second language, and it is, you you—you cannot do it. You know, and then the suicide rates for Japan and, and Asian countries are super high. You think You know some education systems in Asia are just more structured, and some cultures in Asia um, stress education. You know, or it's what's expected of them. You know, I think you figure there's that you know statistics where Asians make a lot of money, but at the same time, I think a lot of Asian people, Asian Americans growing up in the United States, are pressured to pursue more higher-paying jobs: lawyers, doctors um engineers they i feel like a lot of Asians growing up are pressured and it's what is expected of them there is i'm sure there's the statistics are true where asian americans do make on average more money than other minorities and that is a statistic that is a fact you cannot argue with that you know but to say all Asians are smarter um is definitely like just horrible
1: I was talking about this with Nathan earlier too um so yeah, even with me, I've, um, I've known that there was a stereotype of Asians of them being smart and doing, like, being prodigies in the musics, arts, and all that. Um, for me, I've, I felt that kind of model. Asian model. Throughout throughout school, people had expectations of me because I was seen as smart. And so that did put a little bit of pressure on me. But then, you know, I learned to ignore that over the time, over time, especially since I had friends around me. Um, but yeah, I feel like just there are a lot of cases where just being Asian, you have this expectation that people have of you.
0: I think this was a good conversation to have, and, and I think this conversation needed to happen because of what's been going on. and In a way, I kind of hate that it's in reaction to the shooting. It wasn't proactive. It wasn't even reacting to covid when it hit it wasn't reacting to april and midland and stuff like that but uh i guess better late than never um all we can do is i think really try to support it and try to change the stereotypes as much as we can and um i know that's what i would have to do as an ally because i'm not going to experience racism as an asian for obvious reasons so so when we come back Probably be a little happier as we talk about the 2021 Miami Open. Make sure you subscribe to Flags and Fouls and Making a Racket on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the third episode of Making a Racket. Now we're going to preview the 2021 Miami Open. There will be very limited fans at this tournament, and unlike Two years ago, which was the last edition, there will not be a center court inside the Dolphin Stadium, Hard Rock Stadium. The grandstand court will be the main court, and there will be about 800 to 1,000 fans per session, which is a lot lower than usual. Most of the courts won't even have fans. Novak Djokovic, Rafa Nadal, Roger Federer have all withdrawn from the men's side. Federer basically because he's old and he's still trying to figure out his knee. Uh, Nadal still has the lingering back injury from the Australian Open. And Novak Djokovic withdrew due to the COVID-19 restrictions, which I think is very interesting. It goes back to what we talked about in the first episode when Djokovic and Zverev talked about the restrictions that they'd have to have, would they play under them, et cetera, et cetera. You can listen to that if you want to understand more about that. And Serena Williams withdrew on the women's side due to oral surgery, but you still have a lot of the top guys on the men's side, all the young ones, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, Rublev. Team, team withdrew as well, but still those guys. Medvedev is number two in the world now. And on the women's side, you pretty much have all the top names. Ashley Barty, Naomi Osaka, Simona Halep, Sophia Kennan, Jennifer Brady, Garbina Muguruza, Victoria Azarenka, all of those. So what I want to ask y'all is what is the most, now that the draws are out, what is the most interesting projected matchup that y'all see? We'll start on the men's side. It's not
3: exactly a specific matchup, per se, but Andy Murray is still in this tournament, and hey, that is true. Andy if he Murray. wins, if he wins his first match, he'll have a matchup with Batista Agut, and then he'll be in the same section as Ajay Alisim and Isner, as well as Struff. Um, so. You know, we don't have Federer, we don't have Djokovic, and we don't have Nadal. Hasn't happened since like 2005 in
0: a Masters 1000. Yeah, it was 04, the Paris Masters is what. uh, Someone did great research on that. I'm glad I didn't have to figure that out. So,
3: either I'll be rooting for one of the top young players to finally break through, even though there's not even a big three person in the tournament. Or, I'm going to be going for Andy Murray and hoping he somehow makes a miraculous comeback and wins the Miami Open.
0: <laughs> now, with uh, with Murray, I think that'll be interesting to see how he does, or how many rounds he can last. Medvedev, you got to pick. I mean, you would think Medvedev, number two in the world, would be. Would be your personal favorite, Sean. I mean, come on, look at your Twitter I love Medvedev. profile picture. Come on. <laughs> And then, of course, we found out Murray is old. Now he has a groin injury, and he had to pull out. So I guess that entire segment was a waste. But, hey, it was fun to listen to, right? Now back to the show. Shannon, what what matchup are you looking forward to in the Miami Open?
2: Well, I have no preference um, on the guys. On the men's side, um, you know, with the big three, you know, gone, it will be interesting. Um, to see who will come up. I mean...
0: Just throwing them aside. I I like that, actually. Screw them, right? They haven't done anything. There's not a Grand Slam champion in this, except Murray, but he's old. He has no hip. Did I mention he doesn't have a hip? He has no hip. So, I, I, I do think this will be interesting to see with no big three who who steps up, who breaks through, although you've already had guys like Medvedev and Zverev and I believe even Sitsipas break through already. To me, though, the matchup that I think will be interesting, honestly, none of these are as interesting as the women. Like, actually, dead ass, they're all kind of ass. What the hell is this tournament? It's like a 500. What is this tournament? Yeah, I was, you know, I was actually going to, like, find something and say something. And you know what? I'm just going to be like Shannon. I have no preference. I don't care. Who cares about the men's side? I, I, I think it'd be funny if Medvedev would win. I'd like Poss to win. And we know what Shaq thinks. We already got her opinion, so. How about let's just go to the women's side? That's a hell of a lot more fun. I'm liking a few already, but I'm going to go with, I, I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to take two out of here because they both involve Halep. I think she has an interesting one. Third round, she'll probably play Coco Golf, the I'm 17-year-old protege, I'm, protégé, I'm super
2: interested to see how Coco Golf is going to do. It's so interesting, you know, seeing her go up against the older, more experienced players. Um, I think the fact that she's younger than us and she's, you know, pro tennis players. You're just
3: going to
0: take his thunder? No, no, that's fair. I like it. Keep going. Keep going. (laughs) This is
2: the one. You guys were talking about the men's side and I had no idea. Keep going. going. I'm always um, super interested to see when Kokoff is on the lineup. You know, I know she played doubles a lot, but I am always interested to see her play singles and see how she's, um, you know, going to go up against the more experienced players. Um, But for me, Osaka is my personal favorite player on the woman's side. So I'm rooting for her.
0: Well, that's fair. And, and the one thing I I could say is Osaka does seem to have an easier draw, but we can maybe get to that in a little bit. My thing with Halep and Goff though, as, as we were talking is um, that's a third round match. And then the winner of that, which I would figure would be Halep, it could be Halep and Iga Fiat. And this is a rematch of the Australian Open. This is a rematch of the French Open when Shviatek ran through the draw and beat Halep 6-1, 6-2. Then at the Aussie Open, Shviatek won the first and then it kind of fell apart. Halep took advantage, won it in three sets. So I think that could be an interesting rubber match for the two in that fourth round. And then really the winner of that has as good a chance as anyone to win it. Just because, I mean, Halep is obviously Maybe the most consistent of anyone on the tour, and Sviatek, we know what she can do with the ball. So, Sean, most interesting matchup on the women's side. So, I like,
3: I'm a fan of Ashley Barty, and she is a fairly easy section. It's um, really her fourth round match will be her toughest because she'll probably play Kerber or Azarenka, which both can be tricky. Um, but who I'm looking forward to seeing is Andrescu back with all her injuries and time lost. She's shown us to be a very good player when she's healthy. And she has a fairly, you know, hopeful section.
2: I'm sorry. I just, I know you prefer Barty, but I just, you know, I, I respect
3: her. She's I love her slices. You know,
2: I, I, you know, I respect her cause she's obviously a, an amazing tennis player, but She's just not that fun to watch.
3: Yes, yeah, she is. She's like Federer. I
2: think I think Osaka is by far my favorite because A, she's hella cool. She slaps the ball so consistently. Her shots are so powerful in which for some really interesting tennis. I
3: well, I Osaka. hope Barty beats Osaka in the final.
2: Well, I hope Osaka beats Party and pushes through that Artie backhand slice. is twice. the defending champion. I don't care. I hope Osaka can um, overcome that.
0: Iga <laughs> we attack? I mean, come on! Now you're forgetting about everyone. Just forget about the French Open. Now, come on, man! Everyone no, did it I, with I, us to I so it. would. Okay, but that's no, no, no. That's different. Nah, if I were knew, a below tennis
2: player, I'd be off to Panko. <laughs> nah, <laughs> we,
0: yeah, weak serve and crushes a ball. Yeah, that that's about right. Um, but a
2: really cool shot every now and then.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's actually about right. Pretty much. So, no, it, I what think off take to Panko? Off to Panko. she's all right. She's doing it. I haven't okay. heard much she's of her in like not. a while. She's more back to where she was um, top 40, top 50. She's there, but. Just not, just not a great player. Just had had a really good two-week run. Actually, had a few results to back it up. Made the Wimbledon quarters right after it, but I think did well maybe the next year in one of the majors, but hasn't really followed it up. So her, her, her run has been kind of interesting to see it just kind of fall off. But uh, Sviatek's not going to do that. I, I would be surprised. Just because that that felt different when Sviatek did it, but and we, we talked about that on episode two. If you want to listen to that, so I think I agree though with Sean. I think uh, Bianca andrescu is going to be someone to watch. How does she do? She lost second round of the Aussie Open, but she hadn't played in over a year. She will have a very tough task if she gets to the fourth round because she'll probably have to play Garbina Muguruza. And I'm not sure that Muguruza hasn't been maybe the second or third best player this year so far. She lost to Osaka, had a match point on her, and she really just seems to have it dialed in right now. She did lose in the final in Doha, uh, one of their uh, 1,000 events, but uh, she didn't even play the semis because Azarenka withdrew, and it was stupid windy. That day, Kvitova got used to it in the final, and uh, Kvitova slapped her. So, I think Muguruza has a good shot as anyone to win this, which I could probably say about 12 different women, I guess, but... Isn't that... And, and we isn't say that, that women's about women's teams. teams. It's, a, it's about the same on the men's. It team. is, without the and I do think on the. I do think on the women, Osaka should have the edge, should be the favorite. And I would pick her to win it, but we'll see what happens. I do hope Osaka beats Brady. Uh, Osaka can get this one. Brady had it two years ago, Sean. I, I'm not a hater, though, like like Shannon. Brady? Is. Who the heck is Brady? Barty. Did I say Brady? Oh, yeah. boy. I meant Barty. Oh, God. <laughs> how embarrassing. I need sleep. Oh, I need sleep. <laughs> okay, moves oh, on I'm on so for you, too. sorry. There's actually a Brady, too. So that I know. That's why it confused confusing. me. Oh, boy. I was about oh, to ask you, hurts. did she win it two years ago? <laughs> nah, she didn't. Uh-uh. Oh, boy. Although, didn't, how did Jim Brady do two years ago? I don't
3: remember. Oh, no, never mind. I was thinking about something else. Okay. Collins. Nah, maybe. No, she, I, I she did. had a run. No, Collins. I think she won it in uh, 2018.
0: No, it was Sloan Stevens. We're getting all the Americans mixed up. Danielle Collins made the semis. Mm. No, okay. You didn't get it mixed up. Danielle Collins made the semis. She was a qualifier in 2018. That's what it was. That's an interesting rabbit hole to go down. Well, this is really the last. Big hard court tournament before they go into the clay, and I mean we'll have to see what happens there with restrictions. What tournaments does? I, I do wonder what tournaments Djokovic is going to play because I, I mean he withdrew from this one. How far is he going to go? What, what does he want to do? Um, Nadal is going to play. We know that. I mean barring the back injury, he if he's and that's why he's not going to play Miami. There's no point. There's just no point for him to play Miami at this at this stage. Fetter nah, we just hope he can come back. We hope he can make his way back and he, he looked okay. He wasn't
3: great. But he looked okay.
0: You know, I heard Del Potro wants to come back for the hoping to come I back for the Olympics. he's been hurt for so long. <laughs> He really has, and I remember the 2016 Olympics. That was one of his big comeback tournaments. That was when he also had wrist. In- He's had wrist injuries for a long time. I don't <laughs> think he has a wrist anymore. Well, now he doesn't have a breasts. knee. Oh, that's what it is. Oh, well. maybe his body's just done. One of the only major champions in the big, big four really era. Oh, 2009 U.S. Open. Del Potro
3: never won another one. Oh, he's yes, gonna jump. go under a fourth knee operation. Wow. Fourth knee operation. In hopes that i will be fit for the Tokyo
0: Olympics. Wow. Uh, I think we all oh, I think I speak for most of the tennis world when we say, uh, we hope Del Potro comes back because he's kind of the gentle giant. He's it's always been fun to watch and, and Shannon would like him too, because he hits the ball hard. So although he did develop a backhand slice because his wrist kind of died. So maybe she wouldn't like that, but that's okay.
2: Stupid injuries.
0: <laughs> no. Uh seriously for Del Potro, hope he's okay. And for Federer, hope he can come back. Nadal, same thing. Djokovic, hopefully I don't know. Hopefully the restrictions don't bother him. I don't know. And Serena, I hope her surgery went okay. I have no details and think it's just precautionary. But now Miami will be an interesting event to say the least. Not sure it'll be that great, but we'll see what happens. Those are our interesting matchups. And that's pretty much all for episode three of Making a Racket. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Making a Racket 3. Also make sure you subscribe to the other podcast app or excuse me, Flies and Fouls. On, well, wherever you get your podcast. I have no preference. And follow them on Twitter at Flags and Fowls. And we'll see you guys in two weeks. Who knows what we'll talk about then? It's 11.19 I need to sleep. I think my night is just beginning. Let to get
2: another you. cup of coffee.
3: You're normal. Well, you're not abnormal. That's your normal.
2: I'm not abnormal.
3: You're not supposed to pull all-nighters till med school.
2: I don't know what you're talking about.